Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, a look behind the scenes of the fly fishing world, featuring insight from guides, gear reps, and resort managers, thoughts on entomology, fly patterns, destinations, and plenty of fish stories. An exploration of this lifelong journey we call fly fishing. Here's your host, Mark Hopley, with this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. And today it's really my pleasure to have on the program Matt Devlin. Now, Matt's from the Montana Fishing Film Festival out of Missoula, Montana. Matt, thanks for coming on the program today. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Mark. Yeah, so we've been playing a little telephone tag. I know you're a real busy guy, but um, before we get into the uh, Fishing Film Festival and all the fly fishing that you've been up to in Montana, um, maybe you can tell our listeners kind of how you got started, kind of your roots in the sport of fly fishing. Sure. A lot of people, I think, get get into it um, through a member of their family. But for me, I grew up on the Chesapeake Bay in um, Annapolis, Maryland, about uh, 2,800 miles from where I live in Missoula now. And we didn't, we were a, we were a sailing family. Um, so, you know, spent a lot of time on the water and kind of on a sailboat before I could walk kind of thing. But we didn't, we didn't fish a lot. It just wasn't something that, I wouldn't say that there wasn't interest. It just wasn't something that like my folks were really dialed into. I didn't find my way to fly fishing until I was, geez, I think I was right around 18. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, it was, um, it was in the summer. I, I had recently lost my father. Um, to, he was sick for about six years with cancer. And I was, um, you know, I was 16 when that happened and it was kind of a, a tender age, I think, to say the least. And I ended up getting invited to uh, one of my one of my dearest friends, who I still um, am in, in touch with often. His family had a place in Steamboat Springs, and you know, I'd, I'd never really been exposed to kind of the resort lifestyle in the West or anything like that. But they invited me, and I tagged along, and I think like 6 p.m. the night before um, my introduction to fly fishing, I think his parents were like, oh, we booked you guys like a half half day guided fly fishing trip. And I was kind of like, I, okay, cool. Like what? You know, I had no, no real opinion of what to expect. And I'm 33 now, so that was 60, 15 years ago or so. And, you know, really, I think like a lot of people, you know, Brad Pitt, and Tom Skerritt and uh, can't think of the other actor's name. He kind of had a disappointing career after everyone runs through it, but mm-hmm. I thought he was great as, as, as Norman McLean. Um, but that, that was really the only time that the sport had really crossed over into anything mainstream. So every, everything that I knew about fly fishing was from watching a river runs through it. And so, you know, basically I said, I'm game, you know, let's do it. Let's check it out. And long story short, I just instantly kind of, was was gripped by it and kind of bitten by the bug and it's funny my my buddy i think he caught a couple small rainbows on that trip and he's he's never um he's never been fly fishing again after that and i i just for whatever reason was just like 
taken by i didn't catch anything i think i foul hooked a white fish on like a dropper or something and i just i got addicted to kind of the way it made me feel Mm -hmm. and i just i just wanted to get better at it that's uh you know that comes up a lot because once you get that taste the the thing that always appeals to me is there's so much to learn and 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 there truly is on so many different levels did you find did you find the learning curve pretty steep when you first got going i did i mean and um you know, part of that was probably being a kid with, you know, I had like a summer job actually teaching sailing, but I didn't have a lot of disposable income. And, um, I didn't live in a place where, you know, you like, like here in, in Missoula where, you, you know, you drive over a river and you see people casting a fire out. It wasn't really available, um, in any sort of, you know, easily attainable way, um, in Maryland at that time. But, Every every month I'd go and I'd buy. I'm trying to think if the Drake was out at that time or not, but I would buy all of the publications every month. I'd go to Barnes and Nobles and I would just like just pour through them. And um, it was yeah, I was really I was really self taught. And I, at one point I started instead of just buying flies, I got like a twenty dollar tying kit and I started cutting flies apart and figuring out what what they were made of and uh, kind of got started tying flies that way and i mean yeah it's it's been it's definitely it's been I've, I've been involved professionally in fly fishing since i was i think like 22 so well wow. 21 or 22 so de- definitely most of my adult life i've made a living sort of in, in some way being involved in the sport sounds like you really immersed yourself in it which is uh <laughs> Seems to be a very common story. Tell us a little bit about how you got the idea and kind of where this all started, the Montana Fishing Film Festival. Like, kind of take us through that process. Yeah. Um, So, you know, fast forward lots of years. Um, I had lived in Charleston, South Carolina for a little while. Um, I did did some school out here in Missoula and lived in Charleston, worked in the fishing industry down there, and then moved back out to Missoula. And I had started... um, I got a job at the Grizzly Hackle, which is kind of right downtown in Missoula. And then I transitioned into guiding, got a boat and all that stuff. And then a, a really good buddy of mine, kind of one of my mentors when I was uh, getting started in the guide industry and kind of trying to trying to learn the Bitterroot River in particular, is um, a guy named Bryce McLean, who grew up in Stevensville, Montana. And he had been involved in backyard you know snowboarding films and things of that nature and was kind of transitioning into you know getting some slightly better gear than just gopros and um we had started you know shooting just kind of our buddies and in those days it was kind of very like like you know surfing or snowboard edit style you know where it was sort of like introduce an angler and it's like then you had like your spot you know which i think is what they call it in snowboarding but we we made this film um, together. I mean, Bryce really made it. I I shot some of it with him. And this was six years ago. So let's say probably shot it in oh, 2012 in southwest Montana. And, I mean, it's still, it's called 10 Days. And I think you can still find it on Vimeo. But it was, it was sort of, you know, we really liked it, but um, it wasn't... You know, it wasn't kind of like, didn't have the budget to be sort of like shown in one of the preeminent um, tours at the time, which there's, there's still really only 
three tours were kind of the third one. We just got this idea like, well, hey, why don't we, why don't we show it to people? And it, it was as simple as that. I mean, that was, that was our idea. It was like rent, rent a small theater, sell tickets and, and see if anybody comes. And, you know, we realized we couldn't charge people money to see like a, a 15 minute film. So we got some other content. Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't really start out trying to be anything. It just kind of snowballed, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's well, the one thing that I really picked up from just looking through your website, some of the clips, some of the trailers is you're really trying to get to the roots, the, the kind of right in your own backyard and fishing that I think you can relate to in Montana, the Rocky mountains, you know, not necessarily fly fishing for roosters. Right. Right. And, and I, mean, I think that, you know, I, I think that like it, it could be perceived that we're against that or counter to that. But, you know, I, I think it's more just like that those those destination stories already already have a voice mm-hmm. and they already, you know, they kind of already have a landing spot. What we're, you know, interested in is kind of more of a grassroots approach. I mean, I'd, I'd rather show something that feels authentic shot on a $500 SLR than something that just feels, um, I don't know, manufactured or sort of unattainable, you know, that was shot with a, you know, hundred times that budget. Totally agree. And I, I, I feel that way about a lot of things in our industry is if it's not authentic, what are we doing? You know, like, and you can tell, you can see right through it when it's not. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think in some ways we're kind of the Montana fishing film festival is kind of, um, positioned on this, like for lack of a, of a better term, sort of a counterculture wave, I think. And, um, a lot of the feedback that we get from people at the shows is, um, you know, they're just really thankful and they'll feel spoken to i think mm-hmm. i could tell you who, who put me on to you originally was i was chatting with john and morgan and the guys over at uh trestle and they said you you got to talk to matt he's got some some interesting stuff going on in montana and and it, it it's not just the state of montana i i was looking at some of the places you're taking this uh festival and and you're going to be hitting the road it looks like what in march yeah yeah we are in in march we're kind of doing a, a pacific northwest run um Spokane, seattle portland hood river and bend and then we're doing kind of a big um loop down into kind of the more southern rockies in, in utah and colorado i got i actually have the dates in front of me here and i'll just throw a couple out there and uh if there's anything you want to add you got i see you got spokane starting march 7th then it looks like you're heading into seattle hood river portland bend bozeman whitefish ogden salt lake city um, and you're heading into, uh, Colorado, I think Basalt, Breckenridge, Denver, Boise, uh, is it Pocatello? And then I see you had it, uh, to be announced kind of one in May 25th. So you still, <laughs> we're, we're trying to put something together. I think, um, I think we're going to be in Victor, Victor Driggs area. That's mm-hmm. sort of the working plan, but such a big part of, of this is kind of like, you know, nailing everything down and, um, you know, it's definitely right. become kind of a, a full-time job that I, you know, I have another full-time job and then kind of a third somewhat full-time job making films myself. So it's kind of, uh, I'm busy and, and, and I have a, I have a two to, I have a two and a half year old little boy, Noah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm running around these days. I was just thinking that sounds pretty busy. Maybe you can talk about your, uh, some of the partners you got involved with the festival this year. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, some of the brands that are kind of making this possible and 
kind of allowing us to have some gas money um, and, you know, spread ourselves into all these new venues when, you know, it's kind of scary taking that risk. Um, but our, our sponsors, I think, kind of make that feel a little bit safer. And um, this year we're working with G. Loomis, um, and they're, they're a brand that, um, in my opinion, is doing a lot of really cool things right now. They're sort of giving a lot of attention to the fly fishing part of the company. Um, you know, they were acquired by Shimano years ago, and I think um, they've always, they, they continued to make amazing fly rods. And, you know, Steve Rajeff, a 49-time world casting champion, I think, um, is their lead rod designer, but they didn't, they didn't really give the attention to kind of the culture of fly fishing for many years. Um, and recently they've, they've hired some guys, Tom Larimer and Red Culper. And those guys decided to be involved, um, as one of our marquee sponsors this year. And we're really excited about that. They're a brand that I'm involved with in kind of my day job as a guide. And then I do some video production for them. And so I'm kind of involved three times with the brand. So I really, I really believe in what they're doing right now. And we also have the, the Montana film office. Mm -hmm. They've been a partner for, for many years. And we're, we're very grateful for that because they've kind of allowed us to, to extend ourselves a little bit um, where maybe we wouldn't have done so um, without the partnership. And then Adipose Boatworks, we have one of their flow skips um, and I, I get to row that thing through the summer. Um, I love that boat. It's got a really open floor plan. Um, everything's walk around and side storage. It floats in about two inches of water. Um, a great boat. And we, we drag that thing around with us um, to all of our venues and kind of try to kind of spread spread the word that way. Um, and then we've got a partnership with Trestle this year. And uh, I think that kind of what I was talking about earlier about backbeat of fly fishing right now or kind of this counterculture movement, um, in my opinion, Trestle seems really aligned with that and kind of, you know, just deeply interested in the authentic, I guess, um, is how I would, I would want to phrase it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I had quite the conversation with those guys. I totally get totally get where you're coming from. You've got Yeti on board too, I see. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Yeti and Costa Sunglasses have been involved since almost the beginning. Both of those brands are really kind of cornerstones of the tour. And um, at, at all the shows this year, your admittance ticket um, will enter you into a raffle for a pair of Costas, brand new pair of Costas. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll have some, some Yeti swag to raffle off and give away and stuff. I was just down in Austin recently and did the whole kind of tour of HQ at Yeti. And uh, it, it's really impressive what they're able to do. And as a filmmaker, one of my favorite things about Yeti as a brand is their, their series of Yeti Presents films. And they kind of, they have a real kind of, dedication to storytelling which i tend to appreciate absolutely so if someone's sitting at home listening to this and they're thinking well maybe i'd like to do a do a short film 
uh, and maybe try and get it in the festival. What what would that process look like? How how would one start that? You know, I mean, I think that we we don't we we never bill ourselves as any sort of like an amateur film festival or anything like that. But you know that that doesn't mean that somebody with no filmmaking experience can't make something that that we connect with. Um, and I think you know one of the exciting things and kind of one of the the um, reasons that the barrier to entry into filmmaking is more attainable is because gear is just so much cheaper than it was five or 10 years ago. It's, you know, a, a digital SLR. I really like the Sony's, you know, you can get something for a thousand bucks that, um, you know, can make absolute professional grade video. But I think the first step is kind of think about, think about the story that you want to tell. Um, mm-hmm. Is it, you know, visiting this special piece of water? Um, is it kind of what, what's been happening in someone's life that's led them to this certain point? Is it, um, you know, kind of a bio piece on the local angler, local fly tire? Um, you know, a great example is these, these two brothers submitted a film this year, kind of late in the game. And, you know, they were sort of like just taking a shot. They're like, hey, man, check this out. And, you know, they're not, they're not professional filmmakers or anything like that. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll, you know, I'll give it a watch and maybe we'll have a place for it. And, uh, I watched it and it, it just, uh, I don't know, something about it just has that authentic feel to me. And, uh, we ended up, you know, picking it up. It's a, it's just, uh, two days of them fishing on the Missouri kind of the very end of the season. Um, and you know, it's as simple as that. They just ended up, you know, bringing a camera and documenting it and got enough stuff to make, you know, five minutes of uh, compelling footage. And then, you know, and then basically slapped together, uh, you know, a rough-ish cut and contact us at mtfishingfilmfest at gmail.com and I'll take a look at it and then kind of we go from there. So if somebody wants to go and... Um attend the film festival starting you know starting in spokane march 7th all the way through into may uh you'd mentioned uh, possibly in the victor area uh how do they go about doing that is it best to do it online matt yeah so well i have to say that the first show um is kind of our home show in missoula at the denison theater which is actually coming coming right up it's this saturday february 16th and that's our first show, and then we kind of have a little bit of downtime, and then we start really our big road push. Um, but if someone's interested, I think a good place to start is mtfishingfilmfest.com and just kind of uh, get acquainted with with us that way and head over to the Find a Show tab, and tickets are available. And we, you know, we, we try to work with local fly shops and get them a copy of the poster, which uh, this year's poster was made by a phenomenally talented wood. He he's a wood carving graphic artist, so he makes he makes the images out of solid blocks of wood. So everything that he's carving is is in the negative space, and then what's left over is the print. Hmm. And uh, I I connected with him at ICAST this year. His name's Tyler Hackett. Um, wandering blue lines and he designed our poster this year and we're, we're 
in the process of kind of getting those shipped out to the fly shops and all these locales, uh, starting in Spokane, we work with Silverbow, mm-hmm. and in Missoula, we we work with all the local shops in Missoula. Right on. I mean, I, I really admire what you have going on there. I did look at some of the, even just the trailers, I'm like, I was blown away by some of the footage, and uh, like you say, grassroots stuff, very authentic. We're chatting today with Matt Devlin of the Montana Fishing Film Festival. Uh, check him out uh, online. Matt, before we uh, get too far into the festival, I, I always like to ask my guests, kind of, we talked about kind of how you got started in fly fishing. If you were to single out one or two people that have been maybe the biggest influence on your fly fishing, um, who would that be? Oh, that's, a good, that's a really good point. Um, I'd probably have to start with uh, my first kind of good fishing buddy, a guy named Jason DuPont. My kind of my de facto home river geographically from Annapolis was a place called the Gunpowder, Gunpowder Falls State Park. Um, it's, a, it's a small tailwater about 20 minutes north of Baltimore. And uh, it's got wild reproduction of brown trout. And it's just in this, like, this beautiful uh, sort of gorge, I guess, um, with moss-covered rocks and um, rhododendron bushes. And that, that's where I really cut my teeth. And um, Jason was a lot further along than me at that time. And I just, you know, I just met him just going into the shop and kind of, he was a, he was an employee of the shop and um, that's, that's where, that's where I kind of cut my teeth. And it's also where I was first introduced to filming in relation to fly fishing. Cause he, he had an interest in that and he, you know, would bring this little Sony handy cam. I think it recorded onto those like mini, mini CDs that, you know, I haven't seen <laughs> for quite some time. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to say him. And then, um, Bryce McQueen, Right. Would, would, would have to be, um, high on the list. I think, uh, just philosophically his, his approach to the sport of fly fishing and guiding and filmmaking. Um, and you know, he's, he's had a lot to do with, with our festival and our tour. Mm-hmm. Let's plug where you're guiding for, uh, which outfit are you with right now? Uh, so I've been, I've been with the Grizzly Hackle. I got a job with them in like 2006 um in the shop and then i moved away i moved back but i've i've been guiding i'll be this will be my 10th season with those guys so you must uh you spend a lot of time on the water you must have some crazy fishing stories i always like to ask my guests is there anything weird or wonderful (laughs) that's happened to you and then you know what sometimes it takes a a minute to think about it i don't want to rush you but does anything kind of come to mind off the top of your head um, you know, I, uh, I think just, uh, the, the, the first one that pops just right into my head is, um, must've been three years ago. There's a, there's a stretch of water on the Clark Fork, um, that goes right through Missoula and it's not actually fished seriously that hard. Um, it's more kind of hit by recreators and, um, the hopper fishing can be really good kind of towards the end of the summer and long story short, I had these guys out, you know, we were, we were fishing through town and we, uh, we were fishing a bank pretty tight to the bank. I'm kind of, you know, whatever, you know, pick it up, big men to the right, all that stuff that guys say. And, um, 
we're kind of starting to float under a bridge and we look up and there's um, a man and a woman in, involved in, in lovemaking <laughs> about may, maybe 20 feet from my boat. And we all just sort of, we, we hadn't noticed it because we're kind of in, you know, we're in hunting mode or whatever, fishing. We're kind of like tunnel vision on the flies. And we look up, I mean, it's, it's like 2.15 in the afternoon. And uh, yeah, the guy kind of like threw us this thumbs up. And it was, I mean, we're all just kind of like dumbfounded. <laughs> I've seen something similar. Um, but not, not something I expected. Yeah. It's... Yeah. Not something. No, you never know what you're going to see when you come around the corner of a river. That <laughs> I can I can attest 100 percent to that. That's funny. Oh man! Hey, if there's anything you could change in fly fishing, um, other than maybe getting a heads up what's coming up around the corner, um, what would that be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I think without without overthinking it, I would just say. I would say we're in we're in this really kind of I think this kind of delicate phase in the sport where it's it's growing really quickly and kind of you know you have social media and things like that sort of driving new anglers' priorities mm-hmm. and um, I think I think just sort of sometimes I guess sometimes I worry about kind of who the who the stewards you know, or the, or the pillars of the sport are going to be over the next 20 years as, um, guys like Lefty Cray and Dave Whitlock is getting up there in years, you know, those, those kind of cornerstones and foot pallet, those guys are are starting to kind of get pretty long in the tooth. And, um, I worry about who's, who's going to drive the sport after they're gone. And I think I'd, I'd like it to be, people that kind of keep keep everybody focused on on things like kind of staying humble and and not not ever thinking that you know catching the biggest fish is kind of like making you making you more of anything than anyone else and just kind of owing owing more to whatever resource you're fishing than that resource owes to you yeah that's really well put I totally get what you're saying, but I also think that people that are taking the time to do their homework, like capturing those trips uh, as you're doing and as a lot of other film creators are doing, really helps because it, 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 it puts puts everybody in those beautiful places, and we all want to preserve those. And I think the more people that get involved um, via things like you know the Montana Fishing Film Festival and other festivals and, and just kind of making it a cool place to be, um, it's only going to help help the sport and help help the conservation dollars absolutely we're involved with trout unlimited this year and they're they're actually funding something called the high watermark award which is the twenty five hundred dollar film grant um awarded to one of our filmmakers voted on by voted on by festival goers and Hmm. sort of the, the 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 thought process behind that is trout unlimited which is a phenomenal organization. They they spend a lot of money and a lot of time on conservation that's actually measurable. You know, they they put in fish screens to kind of keep native populations intact. They put in fish ladders. They put in they rehab streams for spawning purposes. You know, you name it. Trout Unlimited is 
actually doing that hard work protecting our cold water fisheries. And I think that what they're dealing with right now is sort of trying to trying to get a little bit younger and trying to trying to kind of connect with with what's happening now in the sport. And so that's kind of how that partnership with Montana Trout Unlimited came about. And sort of the flip side of it is one of our one of the narratives this year with the tour is to talk about the stream access in Montana and particularly Idaho that's very favorable for anglers. That's why we're calling the the grant the high water mark award because we we're kind of taking this like nice. preemptive approach to conservation where it's like let's not just fix the things that are broken, let's also talk about the things that are working and keep the awareness up so that we don't lose them for future generations. Cause there's, there's, you know, there's been challenges to the access laws in Montana legally by, you know, people with a lot of money. And for the most part, they've been defeated in court. Um, but as we go into states like Utah and Colorado this year, that don't enjoy those same stream access laws. And um, in, in Montana, it's basically everything below the high water mark in a navigable river is within the public domain, no matter whose land you're on. Um, right. And we, you know, we couldn't have our festival and we couldn't freely access these waterways and enjoy fishing and get footage, et cetera, without those stream access laws. And states like Colorado, Utah, Wyoming really don't, don't have those same laws for their anglers. And um, I'd like to think that that could change someday. And I think, I think talking about it, you know, talking about it is is the first step and just um, kind of starting that dialogue. And, you know, we're not, we're not going to go out there and we're not trying to pick it or anything like that. We're just kind of starting to get the word out and and talk about it in a, in a way that I think, um, eventually could could start something well especially from a conservation point of view too not just coming at it from a stream access or river access point of view but uh, i mean river flows where it flows and um it's so important that those ranchers and farmers are on board with any conservation plan absolutely yeah i mean you know there's like a saying in montana like that whiskey's for drinking water's for fighting but you know and that, that that goes that goes back to just ranchers and head gates on all these different rivers and and all of that stuff but in in the end it's always it's always better for everyone if the resources is managed properly Mm -hmm. do you spend a lot of time uh at the tying vice in the winter matt you know not not as much not as much uh as i used to but i would say at, at times in my life i've been very avid fly tire I like tying streamers, um, and the one of the bugs that I still tie a lot of is it's our first stone fly that we get. It's called a squala. Okay. It's a little, it's a little olive, like size ten or twelve, and it's just a, it's a, it's a funky bug. It kind of hatches when there's still snow on the banks, and I think everybody locally that fishes the bittery at that time of year kind of has their own pattern that that you know they think for whatever reason you know has two sets of legs instead of three or it rides a little bit low in the water they they kind of have their squall pattern that they really 
think gets the job done better than what they can buy in the store. So, right. So I guess I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, I, I do a fair bit of science. Yeah, it's like anything. A lot of this stuff ebbs and flows, and I'm sure once the season's underway, and you know you're taking some clients out the next day, chances are you you just might be hitting the vice that evening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and during squalor season, I'll I'll end up kind of tying those flies as I need them, and then once the season starts, I mean, it's just. I'm just busy and, you know, really I'm just tying San Juan worms for, for kind of those situations when I need them. Yeah. Um, but other than that, you know, once about June 15th hits, I'm not spending a lot of time at the vice. <laughs> well, especially with little ones. I know how that, uh, that time gets limited. Explain, maybe you can yeah. take me through a perfect day in your mind on a guided trip. So you've got a group, you're, you're meeting maybe early in the oh, morning. Man. Maybe just kind of take us through that. What does that look like? Okay. Um, you show up, and, you know, guy kind of walks through. You know, for, first of all, you, you beat them to the shop, which is usually the, the, the rendezvous point because um, it always kind of creates this weird strife when clients there first. It's kind of like, oh, where you been? <laughs> um, so... On my on my perfect day, I'm I'm there first, um, and this you know the group or actually if, if if it can be my perfect day, it's just a, it's just one guy or or gal. Um, it's a single. They they come into the shop. They're 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 kind of kind of understated. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I tend to I tend to appreciate that in people. Um, you know, and rather than saying that they you know, fished every river in the world. They just sort of say like, Oh, I've got some experience. And, um, you know, you say, okay, you know, what, what do you have in mind for today? And they say, well, I figured we'd go wherever you thought would be good. That's always a good, Mm -hmm. it's always a good start. And then, uh, we get in the, we get in the truck and, um, we kind of start, you know, maybe we have a good conversation about our favorite authors or something. Maybe we're talking about Jim Harrison. Um, and maybe the guy says, you know, I'd like to kind of maybe try to go after a big one, you know, rather than just kind of getting numbers of fish. And I say, cool, you're speaking my language. And we hit the river and, um, you know, we get a few. Now, do you start out uh, on top usually? Or are you uh, doing some nymphing? Or what, what What type of fishing are you we, normally doing? In in Missoula, we um, we do a lot of hopper dropper. Okay. Um, you can catch a fish on a chubby Chernobyl pretty much from March to November. Hmm. Um, and so we're we're fishing, you know, various kind of high riding um, stonefly slash hopper invitations with um, typically some sort of stonefly nymph. Um, I like to fish pretty deep droppers, three and a half to four feet so that you're actually really able to kind of fish the buckets and, um, actually kind of nymph a little bit rather than just suspend that nymph, you know, a foot or two. Right. And, you know, pretty much, pretty much every day you could go, you know, big bushy dry fly to a patch rubber legs and some various size. And you're fishing uh, mostly out of, uh, you said, an adipose boat? 
Yeah. 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 And you know, I've got, I've got a, uh, call it a drift raft, but it's a, it's an inflatable, it's an NRS inflatable drift boat for early season when the water's kind of high and treacherous. All, all of our rivers are freestone, so they're not dammed. Um, and so those first two weeks of the year kind of in June at the tail end of runoff can be a little hairy and I like to kind of play it safe and, um, you know, take the, take the rubber boat out and then pretty much the whole rest of the year I'm in the, I'm in the adipose. Cool. Yeah. I always like to ask that cause I, I always in my, mo- my own mind think, you know, is there any time when you're doing a shore lunch, maybe you're doing a little bit of walk and wade or is it uh, mostly drifting? We're, you know, we're, it's really kind of a drift boat culture or drift boat fishery out here. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe you can find a piece of water, um, during lunch if there's some, some rising fish or something. Um, but we're doing 90% of our fishing, uh, from the boat. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a very, very classic kind of Western style drift boat fishing, you know, fishing big flies towards the bank all of our rivers are, are freestone rivers um and part of that is that kind of the main biomass is stonefly nymphs um and right. obviously uh ultimately stonefly dry flies uh but that kind of that kind of makes our rivers fish a certain way it's not it's not a technical fishery as far as fly choice or anything like that um mm-hmm. But it, it we don't we don't have a, a super high density of fish on most stretches of river around Missoula. I mean, we've got like 600 miles of river that we can access um, between Rock Creek, the whole Clark Fork drainage, the Blackfoot River, and the Bitterroot, as well as the forks of the Bitterroot. And so, really, it's more just about where you're fishing than where you're fishing and how you're fishing. I think around Missoula than what you're fishing. Right. Is there anything you'd like to cover or chat about that maybe I haven't got to regarding the festival or anything coming up for, uh, for this season? Um, I think, you know, I think one of the things is, um, that I just want to kind of give a shout out to the, the dudes that helped me put this thing on. Um, a guy named Travis Bradford, who is a Missoula-based uh, graphic designer and filmmaker and fanatic um, bay fisherman. He is really into chasing anadromous fish as well as trout with a two-handed rod. Um, he's a he's a big a big uh, asset, I think, to the film festival. Generates content for us. He's got he's got two films in it this year, and he does a lot of the graphic work. And I to pay him when I can and then um, he's on the road with me putting you know actually putting these shows on and then and then uh, another guy by the name of Julian Edmond this year is involved as kind of our do everything intern and he's going to be on the road with us helping to put these shows on and like I said we're grassroots I mean there's there's three of us um, putting on 23 shows I think is what the final count is we've got um, about six or seven that are not announced yet because we're kind of finalizing venues. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't do it without those guys. 
It sounds like this thing's really snowballing for you, and I really admire what you're up to, Matt. Um, this is We're talking about the Montana Fishing Film Festival. Uh, Matt's partnered up with, uh, you got G. Loomis, Montana Film Office, Adipose Boatworks, Yeti, Costa, uh, some really top shelf companies, Trestle, and uh, just basically fly fishing in the backyard, if that makes sense. Montana, kind of the Rocky Mountains. Check the, check the show out. It's, uh, you're taking it on the road. Maybe you can plug a little social media for us. What are your social media handles? Sure. I think, you know, I think that we're, we could do a better job with the social media. We're trying to be more active this year, but you can check us out on Facebook at Montana Fishing Film Festival. And Instagram is probably slightly more active. We're at MT Fishing Film Fest. Okay. And uh, yeah, see what we're up to. Well, I wish you uh, luck, my friend, with the uh, the festival coming up. I know you're going to be a real busy guy, and uh, make sure you uh, catch a lot of fish this year on the water, and uh, good luck this upcoming season. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Uh, I, I'll, I'll try to do all those things. <laughs> That's been Matt Devlin of the Montana Fishing Film Festival. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Mm-hmm.